Welcome back, everyone, to the Loading the Bar podcast. Uh, I am Parker McBride, your host, joined by Matt Wasco. Hello. Um, my co-host. How's it going today, Matt? Um, a lot of sickness going around. Uh-oh. And, yeah, a lot of sickness. Um, wife's been really sick. People at the gym have been very sick. Um, and I guess that's all relative, but it's been going around, a lot of putting people, a lot of people down. Um, mm. And I've... I think I've gotten a little bit of that, you know, this not a hundred percent, but I, you know, it hasn't slowed me down. Well, what I have kind of found in the past is you go through the holidays and everyone's pushing hard, running hard, lots of events, all that stuff. Right. And new after new year's is kind of like an exhale. It's like, whoo, all that stuff's over. Yeah. I'm not busy anymore. I right. kind of relax, but then it all, all that kind of piled up stress catches up to them. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people get sick right after new year's. Yeah, you know, it's uh, the holidays are just weird for a lot of different reasons because of the cold. It's kind of one of those things where it's not, um, you know, it's that you just had that time change, right? And, um, you know, and then you have the holidays and people don't eat as well. And that's that's a big one. Everyone in uh, it's talking, yeah, I didn't eat the best. And, Holidays are tough, and I'm going to get back on it, that type of thing. And then, um, so, and then it seems like a good time for sickness as well. And the lack of vitamin D. You know, I yes. find it finally catches up to me about this time of year, January-ish, because, you know, you obviously have vitamin D from the summer, and, and it's a, it's a fat-soluble vitamin, so the vitamin D comes in, your body stores it, so you don't need to necessarily get more and more every single day in order to have enough you can last off of your reserves for a little while but that starts to deplete as the winter comes on and then you hit that lack of vitamin d in january i've been taking my vitamin d that's good when do you when, what uh, are you taking when you eat fats or are you just kind of taking it during the day i'm not taking any vitamin d you're not um, oh i throw no. it in my shakes I, I go back and forth. I have taken it in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, I I go a little more like on an as-needed basis. I kind of always have some, and I can tell sometimes when I'm I'm feeling real down or I start you know maybe getting sick, and I know to take it. But I haven't taken any yet this winter. Mm. So I've considered it. I think you know the most important thing, um, vitamin D. If you need it, I really believe in. But first, what you guys should try if you are dealing with a little bit of that sickness going around is focus on your habits, getting good sleep, eating a good diet, getting exercise. Um, All of those things are almost more important or just as important. I think that's what can keep you healthy right there. Yeah. Yeah, I actually um, will stress sleep over almost anything else. You know, uh, yes, diet's important. Yes, mental discipline's important. You know, um, you're getting into the gym, being consistent. But if you're not sleeping well, it it uh, hurts all those. It kind of ruins everything. Yeah, it's for sure. Like, yeah, if sleep's not there, we need to fix sleep before we can do anything else. I mean, just uh, for strength for your muscles. You know, I mean, um, research is showing that the the better sleep, the deeper sleep you get, the better it is for muscle strength and muscle size. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, um, let's go ahead and dive in. Then yeah, I've got a new topic today. Yeah, so uh, this is our third episode mm-hmm. now of the Loading the Bar podcast. Um, 
And we just really want to thank you guys all for listening. We're really excited to bring some some great content to you. Today's topic, uh, we're going to talk about form, mm-hmm. all right? Very simple form, but also very nuanced, mm-hmm. all right? So, you know, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't important. So, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about why form is so important in the gym? Yes. So, um Form is not only important, it's, you know, we could go to the extreme where it's hotly debated, but, you know, anytime um, I'm, I train a new trainee, or even if someone who does have a lot of years of experience in the gym, I observe their form first. I don't like throwing heavy weight on them and, or, or just like really getting into it, right? I do some pretty core exercises, some basic exercises, and just observe form. I make sure that, um, you know, shoulders are back, you know, you use that rumboy to pull them back. Those last to pull the shoulders down. Um, and if, you know, you sometimes you have people that come in and can't move their shoulders. So form is so important because of, you know, protecting their, themselves, especially on certain exercises. Uh, and for isolation, you know, you want to isolate on the muscle groups you want to hit. And when those shoulders come forward, you tend to uh, pull other group, other muscle groups into that exercise. Yeah, I think you bring up a really interesting point there. <clears throat> Poor form, uh, it can be multiple things, but I think, you know, figuring out the difference, sometimes poor form is just a lack of knowledge or a lack of adherence to the proper movement pattern. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, almost more commonly with trainees is poor form is a result of just not having the strength to keep the form. Yeah. Right. Like you said, with holding your shoulders back, right. If you're, if your rhomboids aren't strong enough to hold your shoulders back, then that's not that you just are having sloppy form and you need to make it better. We have to strengthen your rhomboids. That way you can have correct form. Right. Or right. you're going to limit yourself. I, you know, I always tell people that, uh, they're only as strong as their weakest link, you know, and kind of only as strong as their weakest muscle group relative to, you know, the, the size of the muscle group. And so if one muscle's way smaller than it should be, then they're not going to be as strong as they want to be. This is, this can commonly be seen on uh, bench press, right? With, yeah. with lat strength, the lats are really important on bench press. They're kind of the antagonist mover, um, the opposite of your chest when you're pushing up. If you don't have strong lats, you're not going to bench a bunch of weight. So right. some guy that comes in and wants to bench and do chest two or three times a week, but then never hits back is never going to get a strong bench press, even though they're working on their chest a bunch because they don't have that necessary muscle group or somebody who wants to, uh, you know, squat a bunch of weight. You're never going to be able to hold a lot of weight on your back and move it in a controlled motion without a strong core. Yes. Right. And so yeah. there are things like that where sometimes the, the muscle that prevents you from having, or, the, or the, the muscle that's messing up your form on a certain exercise could be a muscle. That's not always the directly targeted muscle on that exercise. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, you could do an entire podcast on bench and squat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm thinking as you were talking about the, um, bench, I was just thinking, how it, you have all these different muscle groups to do a simple move of pushing a bar up and down, you know, and do it efficiently. 
Well, there's a guy, I've seen a video of it before. He's, um, I don't know if he still has a world record. At one time, he's world record bench presser. And there's a video out there of one time he was bench pressing and he tore his quad during the rep. That's crazy. And so I always use that as evidence for people saying, you know, bench can and can and really should be if you're go- if you're going for like a powerlifting style lifting the most weight bench should be a full body exercise right because you can use your entire body i mean this dude was using his quad so hard on bench press that he tore it yeah that's crazy so yeah. you know we we can't always discount the secondary movers i guess yes. in an yeah. exercise it's a great point i i know a couple times i've uh felt like I had a pulled muscle down in my legs after I got up and had to shake my leg out a little bit. Yeah. So it uh, happens if you're using the correct leg drive. Right. All right. Um, let's dive in. We're going to kind of go exercise by exercise here, Mm -hmm. tackle an exercise, talk about our, uh, biggest form issues are our, our, our cues for fixing your form on that exercise. And then we're going to go to a different one. Okay. Um, and I'm going to try to kind of mix it up here. I know, you know, there are exercises that are more geared towards guys, exercises more geared ter- towards girls. So we're going to try to kind of alternate that way. We don't, don't lose anybody here. But well, should we quickly kind of address that sometimes uh, correcting form on guys is a different beast than correcting form on girls? I think we should absolutely address okay. that. Now. That's, <laughs> um, I, I know that I have a much easier time. Girls seem to listen better than the guys. I would agree. And, uh, and I find the biggest thing with men is if they've been lifting weight for a while, uh, they've developed some bad habits and they come in. And when I try to correct that usually means the weight's going to drop and sometimes significantly to get the form down. Men don't like that. They like pushing the big weight. Uh, and they, so they'll resort back to bad form to do that. And so I always say, listen, if you try and, and, and listen to what I'm saying and fix your form, you'll have, you'll have greater strength in the future than you, you'll, you'll plateau doing it like this. And you're going to, you risk injury all the time. Well, it's kind of like taking one step back to take two steps forward. Exactly. Is what I always tell people. And yeah, you're right. A lot of times the guys don't listen. <clears throat> what I find with, with female trainees is they they want to be coached and corrected. Yes. I mean, if they're coming to get trained by you, then they welcome that training. Yes. They say, hey, correct my form. Make sure I'm doing it right. Um, yeah, the guys on the other hand not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's a little bit of both. Um, but I, I will say a lot of times it depends on the experience level in the gym, like you yeah. said. Um, but I will say that, uh, the female trainees are more likely to remember. Mm. I think they're more likely to take what you say and ingrain it in their mind and then use that moving forward. Guys is a little more like you'll, you'll coach them and it, it just seems like it goes in one ear and out the other. Right. And then sometimes after like months later, you know, of like trying to coach them every time, all of a sudden it'll click. Mm-hmm. But rarely is it just, oh, okay, I'm going to take what you say and, and implement it. I, I don't know if it's because we're more stubborn or what. 
But. I, I just think it has to do with, uh, you know, testosterone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, guys liked in front when, when all the guys are together, they all like to, um, kind of like, you know, beat their chest a little bit and, uh, and you know, it's all in good fun, but it's one of those things where, you know, they, they, if it, it's kind of like you need to connect with them right from the beginning. And I've been working harder at that with some of the, uh, you know, new members that I get, if they're men, I try mm-hmm. to condition them from the, from day one and say, listen, you know, if their form isn't where it needs to be and they're moving some, you know, fairly good weight, um, try to convince them, say, listen, I promise you'll hit X numbers if you back up, take two steps back, or I should say, I guess that's one step back to get two steps forward, right? So, and it's evident by, you know, some of the people we've trained that actually, and I'm speaking of the, the males, that when they listen, they're starting to do some special things. Uh, yeah. give, give them, you know, a year or two. And they have been, you know, uninjured, pushing some weight they're comfortable with and they're happy with and very fit. And uh, it's nice to see when you put those things together. Yeah, I think uh, part of it boils down to credibility, too, of mm-hmm. credibility to the coach with trainees. Mm-hmm. I think credibility is, is built in two different ways between males and females. Um, what I notice with females a lot of times, <clears throat> especially with newer trainees is if you have the knowledge and you can demonstrate you have the knowledge the training the education whatever that's your credibility to females Mm -hmm. to males it's a little more performance based it's like if i had all the knowledge and all the training but i couldn't perform very well or like lift very much weight they would not see me as credible Yes, that's very true. Um, you know, I, I know for a fact that, and we've talked about this, you know, look the part, you Mm -hmm. know, and that is not only, you know, how you look, but what you perform. Right. And if you can actually control your shoulders and there's nothing, it's people really get it. I have this way of, and we'll talk about this demonstrating flies and where the shoulders need to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, had a member just a couple of days ago doing flies, shoulders are coming way forward, hitting those front delts. And, uh, I said, okay, put your arms out in front of you, just hold them there. And, and where you would, where you're trying to hold them back. And then I, they, she, so she did that. And then, um, I said, now pull them back as far back as you can. Yeah. There, and that was, and she was, and when she did that, it was like a look she'd never seen before. I was like, you know, and she goes, so that's where they need to be. And I'm like, yes. And so now, now grab the cables and do the same thing. And so, and then she got it and she was, you know, and, and she would have to reset a couple of times, but she was starting to get it. Um, which is a whole nother discussion as far as, you know, philosophy of, males doing flies and women doing flies but that might be for another day <laughs> yeah that might be a little bit for another day we, we can talk about i think that actually is a good transition into our first exercise which is chest flies yeah now that can go dumbbells cables machine whatever these same principles still apply um 
and we can talk about some of the form issues, but I, I do think that some of the form issues differ by gender for certain reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to chest flies, I think those shoulders coming forward are predominantly um, the biggest issue that we see oh, with yeah. trainees. Oh, yeah. um, there are some other issues as well, but <clears throat> um, the ability to hold the shoulders back as the arms come forward. Yes. Right. And that is, you know, taking your arms, squeezing them back with your shoulders, but still able to keep your arms straight. Right. A lot of people, if their arms are back, um, back by their sides, they can hold their shoulders back just fine. It's as the arms come forward out in front and you complete the movement of the chest fly that the shoulders will then unlock and come forward. Right. And the problem with the shoulders coming forward as you move your arms forward is that the tension um, on the muscle transitions into your front delt instead of through your actual chest. Right. Um, One of the cues that I've found is really helpful for that is I tell people to stick their chest out in front of their shoulders and try to touch it to their hands. And what that does, because I say, okay, arms, you don't want to have locked arms, but you want to have straight arms when Mm -hmm. you're doing a fly. So if your arms have to stay straight and you're trying to touch your chest to your hands, what happens? Your chest comes out forward and your shoulders go back because that's what's going to get your chest closest to your hands. Right. And I find that that's one of the best cues that I can give um, for fixing that problem. Mm. The only issue is still... I find with some people that their rhomboids, their back muscles are not strong enough to hold their shoulders back, even though they're trying to. Right, right. Yeah, that's a great point. The way I've been doing it um, is, you know, and especially with guys, is like I'll say, all right, get your hands in front of you exactly the way you were showing. And now if if you're doing this right, you should have tension between your bicep and your chest, right? Should you should be it should be tight right there because you got that pulled back and there's tension in there. Yeah. Right. If my arms can come forward, if my arms are all the way forward, I can do this. Your arms, you're 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 not in the right position. But if you're back, there should be tension that you feel right here in that corner. Yeah. And I I felt like once they kind of get that, they with the trainees I'm working with, um, they're starting to correct their form. Yeah, so the cue that I typically use for that is pinch your elbow towards your side. Mm. So you want your arms obviously not locked. You want a little bit of right. bend. But then with the bend that you do have, you don't want your elbows up. You right. want to actually take your elbows, kind of tuck them down more like you're tucking them towards your sides. Right. And what that does, you're right, it, it allows this connection from the bicep to run down through the chest. If your elbow comes up too high, then it runs bicep up to frontal delt in the shoulder so that's the thing to think about take your elbows tuck them slightly bend them and tuck them down i right. think that's how you get that connection now um speaking of high to lows mid-range and low to highs um has it been your approach to always bring flies to your pinkies to increase that that tension at the bottom um, I think it depends a little bit on the variation, like you said. <clears throat> if you are performing 
low to high flies, which on a cable machine, low to high flies would obviously be the cable set low. Right. Um, on a dumbbell, you could simulate it by doing it on like a decline bench. Mm -hmm. In those cases, yes, I always go pinkies together. I tell people to come up and, and, and touch your pinky knuckles together. Right. Um, if you're doing a straight across fly, which would be obviously you would want to set the cables to where they're about shoulder to chest height right in there if you're on a bench that would be like on a flat bench mm -hmm. and i typically tell people to come in and and they want to touch their knuckles together um it doesn't have to be pinky right. or anything it is kind of all of them together to where they're right in the middle um if you're doing a incline or an ink or a, a high to low fly on a cable right. cables are set up high or it'd be the same thing as a dumbbell on an incline um, on those, I, I, I want to, you're going to start out, obviously, if you think about having your arms up, getting ready to start your fly, your knuckles are going to be kind of pointed down. As you come down, you're going to start to perform a bit of a scooping motion. Right. And then you're going to end up where you're slightly pointed up mm -hmm. and your pinky knuckles will touch, but it should be still pretty close to, um, even on both sides. And that scooping motion is another good cue now that I bring it up. Um, whether you're doing a low to high fly or a high to low fly, whatever it may be. Right. By, by thinking about tucking your elbows down and, and scooping something up, um, that's another thing that I think really helps engage the chest. Right. And uh, what, if, what as far as um, when people do a flat bench fly, and uh, or standing uh, a stand-up fly mm -hmm. i have my experience has been and maybe it's 50 50 but my experience and i lean a little bit to the cables that i see more of the problems when they see people laying on the flat bench mm. yeah one of the things um that i like to put into my routine with with flies a little bit the reason i do it is hit the lower pack more right but i think it also helps a lot with form if i am doing dumbbell on a flat bench i will take and i will rotate in the supine direction the dumbbells mm -hmm. as i come up right. so what that means is that essentially your pinkies will be closest to each other right. when the dumbbells come together at the top and what that does is it forces those elbows to tuck in in order to rotate your arms like that. And it, and it almost takes away the, the possibility of it being in your shoulders. Right. Um, and so that's something, a variation I like to throw in. It's also going to work a lot of the lower chest. Yeah. But I throw that in with people who are having trouble that they always have their elbows way out wide. Um, I will have them do that variation and it's almost foolproof. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think when it comes to flies, that's probably one of the most abused exercises, uh, that we see. There's a reason we put it first. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> it's extremely, extremely abused. Um, you got anything else to say about flies? Um, well, I wasn't just going to, the only thing I was going to say about flies is the percentage that I see. So I train at a public gym and I have watched members on public gyms that I don't train, uh, get on the peck machine or do flies on the bench. And I think it's like almost 
well over 95% do them wrong. So um, that's how important it is. And I, every, any chance I get, if I'm not training someone, I'll, I'll stop and say, hey, you know, do you mind if I, I'm a trainer here, do you mind if I help you uh, correct that form? And, you know, when I do, and then, you know, they're usually very appreciative of that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you considering the percentage, how many people do it wrong in public gym, it's might be, it could, it's definitely in the top two or three that are most abused. And what I found is it's not just people who look like they're beginners. Mm-mm. I mean, you, you take people who it looks like they've been in the gym for five or 10 years Oh yeah, and it's still bad for them. Oh yeah. I actually saw a bodybuilder the other day doing them and they were terrible. <laughs> yeah. So he's in his twenties, so, you know, he's getting away with it, but, until um, he needs rotator cuff surgery. Yeah. Yeah. 40. I mean, that, and that's another thing we should probably mention real quick, you know, um, public gyms, you're going to see, you know, easily, you know, two thirds of the movements in there performed wrong easily. Probably. Uh, and, and if not higher, but, the a lot of these uh, bad forms produced by you know 20 something you know that's the majority of the public gym that i'm at and you'll have your 20 and 30 year olds in there performing these moves and um you know you don't see um a lot of 40 and 50 year olds in there you see you have them you have them but not at the same percentages and mm-hmm. and then what i see is that you're a lot of your 55 plus, you know, they're in there doing band work, you know, stretches, you know, they're not really moving anything significant, right? Uh, and that's a lot of times where some of my clients have come from. Their doctor says, hey, you need to do something, you know, uh, your bone density is bad, so they need to put some resistance or band weight with something, or they'll say, um, you know, you need to get some cardio in you, um, or your knees are really weak or, and they'll, that's when I, they start coming to me is like, they'll be like, okay, I, I need someone to train me. And so I've worked with these, uh, you know, 15, 60, 70 year old people. Um, and then the people that are in the gym, they're also that they're also, you know, probably had a doctor say the same thing. So none of these, a lot of the people that come in that are in their later years, you know, they're not moving anything serious, okay, because they haven't been doing anything. Um, and, you know, but you, the, the reason is, is that I think a lot of people disappear from the gyms after their 30s, their mid-30s, probably injuries, they can't get anywhere, and then by the time they get in their later, this is this, you know, my observation. So let's say that it's not based on any stats. It's my observation being in the gym the last two or three years, you know, and then, you know, with forties, fifties, you, they disappear. And then the doctor says, you need to come back in. And suddenly this, because that's really what that, uh, I've seen in gyms, not only the gym I train at, but also at the gyms around Overland park, you have this 20 and 30 year old make up the membership you know, you have a drop down to 40, 50 year olds, and then you'll have a little bit of rise of the 60 and 70 year olds on there just stretching, doing cardio, that type of thing. So I don't know if you've noticed that as well as an, or not. I wouldn't say it's something that I noticed, but now that you mention it <laughs> and I'm thinking about it, yeah. it's absolutely true. Yeah. And so I'm sure there are many explanations. Um, off the top of my head, I can think you have more time. 
in your as you're younger yeah you know and so you go to the gym because you have time to right and then you get busy in your life married kids work kind of becomes less of a priority and you also can get away with more whenever you're 30 you know you don't you don't maybe need it as bad right then you know your your kids grow up they're maybe they're gone and your job is getting to where you're slowing down there a little bit. And now all of a sudden you have a little bit more time again and you realize that you need to make it a priority because you can't do things the way that you used to. Right. That's yeah. just, that's just kind of me taking a stab at it. Yeah, no, I think, you I mean, that's, I, I, that has to play into it. But of course it does. Yeah. Um, you know, but, um, anyway, I'm getting off topic here, so it's good stuff. <laughs> uh, second exercise that I had down was squats. Mm. All right. So, there are so many different variations of squats. I mean, I've taken trainees through so many different variations, <clears throat> but there are certain form issues that are kind of consistent throughout all the variations. And that's kind of what I want to talk about here. Okay. Um, the biggest thing, let's see if you guys can kind of visualize this. So let's take a, a back squat with the bar, right? That bar is on your back right behind your neck and then you're going to squat down with it well when you're squatting you want to maintain balance obviously right or else you'll fall over and to get more uh specific than that you want to maintain a balance so that you're working muscles evenly you know you don't want to do squats up on your toes you don't want to do them back on your heels well the easiest way to do that is to take your center of mass which is that barbell and it has to stay centered over your body. So it has to stay centered over your center of gravity, which is the middle of your foot. So think about if you were watching yourself from the side, squatting, and you saw the bar up on your back, and you saw your feet, and you saw, yep, the bar is straight up and down over the middle of my foot. And then you're going to squat down, and you're going to come up, and the bar should still be over the middle of your foot the entire right. time. Right. All right. This is the biggest issue I see is that people aren't able to keep the bar over the middle of their foot and because they're trying to stay too upright and it's causing pain in their back. I hear from so many female trainees, well, my back hurts when I squat, I don't want to squat, or I can't go heavy because my back hurts. Core strength is a huge problem, but form is a bigger problem because in order for the bar to stay over the middle of your foot, what has to happen is, is you have to lean forward a little bit because your hips are going to go back. So think about it. You have your feet on the ground. You have <clears throat> your um, calves straight up. When you get to your femurs, those should be straight across if you're doing a parallel squat, if you're mm -hmm. at the bottom of your squat. Then your hips that lead into your torso will be at an angle leaning forward. Right. Mm -hmm. But people want to say, oh, you got to keep you got to keep your back straight when you squat. Got to keep your head up. Got to keep all this. And what it does then, if your hips are bent over, but your but your upper body is upright, that's putting a huge curve mm -hmm. in your spine. Especially if your head's up. Yeah. Yeah. If your head's up. And so I have, I mean, very simple cue that I give people when they're squatting, especially if they're in front of a mirror. What I notice is they want to look right at themselves the mm -hmm, whole time. They say, mm -hmm. you know, I got to keep my head up the whole time. I got to keep, you know, my, I got to keep my upper body upright. And 
then they're saying, oh, my back hurts. I, I don't want to put any more weight on or I can't, you know, I can't squat my back hurts. So I'll, I'll do this very simple cue. And it is don't watch yourself in the mirror. I tell them if they're pretty close to a wall, I say, look at the baseboard. Right. right. That's that's where the floor meets the wall. If they're not close to a wall, I'll just tell them to kind of look down at the floor at an angle, kind of towards where the front of the rack is. Right. And what that does by looking down there, that allows their upper back to go ahead and stay in line with their hips as they squat down mm-hmm. and come back up, allows the bar to stay centered over their center of gravity. That's where it's that's where you're the most mechanically advantaged anatomically to lift the weight. Right. So, um, the only time I've had them like it actually will make them stand up a little bit more is if I put the bar lower on their back. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the hips will actually go down with it. Meaning their hips are going to be more down than they're going to be, or I should say their yeah, the hip girl is going to be more lower than it is going to be higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's the only time because I've found that if they are uh, weak in the hammies and they have trouble getting even to parallel and they're always going up on their toes, then sometimes I'm like, well, let's try the, back, the bar a little lower on their back. And then I've, I've found success with that, that suddenly their foot is flat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, they're not coming up on their toes, but like they're lunging forward. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So um, I see two different, when you talk about feet, I see two different things. I see, well, I guess three different things. The correct way is that your toes and your heels both stay in contact with the ground mm-hmm. the entire squat, mm-hmm. and they you don't see a significant shift in weight. Right. Um, that's what it should be. Sometimes people either come all the way up onto their toes and their heel comes off the ground, or it just you can tell that all the weight shifts forward on the toes mm-hmm. when they're doing their squat. Also, sometimes everyone uh, or sometimes people have the weight shifts back on their heels. Sometimes their toe kind of starts to come up off the ground or or just you can tell that the weight shifts back on their heels. Both of those are going to um, demonstrate different strengths and weaknesses. If you come up on your toes while you're squatting, that means you have you're transitioning the load to your quads right. mostly. Think about toes, and then it works its way up your legs. So you go from toes up through your tibia and fibia into the quad. If you're up on your heels when you're squatting, that's stronger hamstrings and glutes. You're working mm-hmm. your way up your calf muscle, up your hamstrings, um, and up to your glutes. So that can demonstrate an imbalance Right. In your strength. And, you know, we want to be balanced. Of course, there are um, trainees that want to work on certain things more than others, but there are exercises to do that. You know, when we're performing a squat, we want to be balanced and equal in how we're working the muscle because a squat is going to work a lot of different muscle groups. And um, I will say, too, a squat is a good exercise to use to find those weaknesses. Right. So you know what to work on. Right. And it's it's interesting you mentioned that is like squat is an exercise, but it's a major exercise and there is a lot of, um, accessory ex- exercises to support that, mm-hmm. you know, same with getting your shoulders back. There's a lot of exercises we can do to strengthen that rhomboid or to, you know, strengthen the lats or, you know, and for the bench or, you know, 
there's accessory exercises that support another exercise. So that's something to, it's not like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to do these flies or the squat until I can get my hamstrings stronger. No, there's accessory exercises to support the strengthening those hamstrings or to support the strengthening those quads that are isolation movements. Yeah. So, well, and same thing, like we were talking about a little bit on bench press earlier, but a limitation <clears throat> in one of your muscle groups will then limit the amount of weight you can do on your squats. So, you know, if you yes. have really weak hamstrings and you're coming up on your toes when you're squatting, you're never going to get a strong squat till you catch your hamstrings up with your quads and then you can proceed forward. That's what I always, what I tell people, you know, you're only strong as your weakest link. So if you're squatting to, let's say 225, right? Well, then whatever your weakest leg muscle is, is, is what can squat 225. You may have really strong, strong quads and they're strong enough to squat 315, but you're never going to squat 315 because your hamstrings can't do it. Right. Right. So we've got to find your weakest link. And that's something that I will say while I'm thinking about it, just more generally for the gym, you're only strong as your weakest link. There's no real value in continuing to work on something that's already stronger than everything else, because maybe you'll be able to do a isolation exercise with that muscle with more weight, but you'll never be able to do practical compound type movements, stuff that's useful in everyday life better until you work on what's weakest. Yeah. I mean, I've seen between a pair, like going squat parallel to going down to the ham hamstring area. I've seen a difference of a hundred pounds to where they can do three fifteen here, but they go past and go lower. They they're not coming out of there. And, um, so, um, I guess one of the questions I would pose back to you, what kind of some of the exercises that you would do not to get off too far off subject, but I think it's pertinent. Hey, let's say I got weak hamstrings. What, what are a couple of exercises you would work on for strengthening the hamstrings? Well, we're going to talk about this one later, <clears throat> but my go-to would be RDLs. Yeah. Um, yeah. there are, there are multiple different that I could talk about, but RDLs. Have yeah. This to is the top one. Yeah. Far and away the top one. Yeah. RDLs done correctly. Yeah. And we'll get there and we'll talk about how, um, you know, a lot of people will maybe do RDLs to try to strengthen their hamstrings and then aren't doing them correctly. And we'll find out that, um, they're not actually helping their hamstrings that much. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, got anything else for squat? Nope. That was a good, Oh, another thing on squat. Um, so I've also found when I ask them to take their shoes off sometimes, mm. you know, um, like I've had a couple of members come in and, you know, uh, some of the shoes they have is like, I'm putting them on a heel rise because their heels so damn big. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they're coming up on their toes and I'm like, Hmm, I was like, let's take your shoes off for a second. And I, watching the feet just in the socks, I can see movements I couldn't see in the shoe. Yeah. You know, so I've also had my members take their shoes off so I can observe how, where the pressure is going in the foot. Yeah. So, I mean, sometimes I see the foot twist sometimes that, you know, and, and sometimes I, when they take their shoes off, I can see, uh, that's they're not, it helps them not like to go too far forward cause they had such big mm -hmm. heels on. Yeah. It helps them be more balanced, right? You know, cause balance is super important. Um, yeah. one more thing on squats, knee cave. Oh, valgus varius. Yeah. It, it is a big one. 
And um, that is going to be a, most of the time, an issue with hip adductor strength. Mm -hmm. Um, And so their hip abductors, which is the outside of your hips, take over um, the load in that case. One of the things that I, uh, a big cue on this, if you are seeing that knee cave inward, um, I tell people to think about driving up through the outside of their foot. So right. think about like coming up on the outsides of your foot um, as you're going up. That forces your knees to go out. Yes, now, what does. I also find is a lot of times then they're unable to make them weaker. Yeah. It, make, it makes them able to do less right. weight. However, then they can do it with the right form. And then I tell them, okay, your limiting factor on your squat is your hip adductors, which is the inside of your hips, kind of your groin groin muscles as a lot of people know them practically Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so those have to be strengthened in order for us to be able to squat this weight effectively so then we find out those are the weakest link those need to be worked on hip adductor strength um as a weakness is very prevalent yeah oh yeah i see it a lot and i i you said push on the outside i always say kind of like i said just push on the outside of your foot Right. You know, and I, and I always have to specify, don't roll it. Yeah. <laughs> I said, just kind of put some pressure on the side of that foot and literally almost a hundred percent of the time it strains the knee out. Yeah. Well, you can't, you can't push through the outside of your foot up on a squat and have your knees come in. Right. If your knees are coming in, that means you're transitioning to the inside, which is what people do if they're not if, if they don't have the strength to, to keep the right form. So right. that's just something to, to recognize. And, and that's something that's easily fixable. A lot of this squat stuff, you can't see while you're squatting. So you don't know it's a problem. Right. But that's one where if you're in front of a mirror, you can see if your knees are going in, uh, caving in or going out, or you can kind of see what they're doing. And then this is, these are the cues you need to fix that. Right. And you, um, also talk about the, you know, making sure that back is neutral, you know, that you're mm-hmm. not, you're not rounded coming way forward. Sometimes they'll put a bar on their back. So yeah. touch points on the three points of their back. Yes, that is a very good point. So earlier I talked about having an overarched back as mm-hmm. being a problem. A rounded back is just as much of a problem. I don't see that quite as prevalent right. on squats, but what we really want is that your back remains straight all the way through. Mm-hmm. We don't want to an overarch. We don't want a rounding. Um, and tell people what you would normally do to make sure that they have that. Well, I, sometimes I'll grab a straight bar and I'll lay it on their back and then I'll hold it on, up, press their head, the top of their neck and the bottom of their hip or their tailbone. Oh, sorry. Tailbone. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, and as they go down, I keep it on them as they go down and go up, you know, to see, so they know what it feels like to be have a neutral back. So Sorry. basically those three points, think about that, the back of the head, the base of the neck, and the, the tailbone. Those three should all be able to touch the same straight line, yes. essentially. You know, you could use a, yeah, a, a little bar, a piece of PVC pipe, I mean, a broomstick. I mean, you, you can use anything to test that out. Exactly. And you can you can even kind of kind of hold it on your back while you're doing a squat yourself you know if you're working out at home or working out by yourself and and you didn't have somebody to kind of hold that there check you could hold that on your own back and make sure all those three points are touching um that's probably going to be the easiest way for 
people working out on their own to test that. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good one because it. A lot of people don't know what their back's supposed to feel like sometimes if they haven't mm-hmm. done a lot of squatting. And that's one way to teach them real quick to see what that feels like. Have them go up and down with it a few times. Well, it's something that's not ever told. Yeah. I have I was working with somebody the other day, and they had been working out for many, many years, like personal training with trainers. Mm. And I gave them that cue on the squat about looking down at the baseboard and a couple other little things and fix their squat and they were like nobody's ever told me that before no one's ever showed me that before and we're hmm. talking like years of working with personal trainers wow so i mean it's, this isn't just stuff that every personal trainer is going to tell you yeah which was a, <clears throat> it's probably another show is talk about what's out there as far as oh, personal trainers yeah. well, we can't get started <laughs> on that right yeah. now let's move on yeah uh, we're going to go to bench press next. Another another exercise, probably more the guys care about here. Uh, bench press. Do you want to talk about some of the most common issues you see with bench press? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot. I mean, uh, there's, again, bench press is one of those things where you can do probably a good portion of a podcast, if not all, on, on that alone. I mean, we're like, we just went through squat and we kept coming up with other things that we can think of. And there's still more we could continue mm-hmm. to cover. But, you know, I think the biggest is, um, uh, and, and there's a variety of this, shoulders come forward, mm-hmm. um, especially when the elbows lock out. I had seen is, uh, you know, but just any time, you know, a lot of times the bench is, the bar is all the way down. It's not as big a deal. But once it starts coming up, the shoulders start coming up with it. And and then the biggest problem is, is like even who those that are finally getting their shoulders back, once they get that bar up, then the shoulders really come forward and the elbows lock. So that's 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 the biggest problem I have I have seen. And I think for the most part is you got to approach the bench in stages because you have everything from how what's a proper form where the feet should be where the knees should be where the butt should how the butt should attach you know where the chest should be you know how far up it should be um and then form you know um you know things that i don't cover right from the beginnings like trying to bend the bar or you know uh you know elbows at 45 degrees for a good strength ratio your best strength ratio um you know, how the head should be, you know, I mean, there's so much to cover where, you know, the bar path, you know, so you got to approach it in strategic approach. Um, and I always start with the shoulders first, because that's where you start putting that weight on those front delts. And um, you want to eliminate that first, I think, because a lot of guys are lifting heavy and using their shoulders. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know, you kind of have to you can't run before you walk, right? So, right. you know, it's not going to do any good for somebody who's – it's their first day bench pressing ever, and you're trying to coach them up on leg drive. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not going to make sense. So, yeah, I would say that the, the shoulders up, one of my biggest uh, cues to fix that, if it's a really persistent problem and the trainee is not able to hold their shoulders back at lockout, it's just – stop a little bit mm-hmm. before lockout right you know, there's no reason there's really no additional help that you get by those last couple inches of lockout right um you can stay down a little bit before locking out your elbows um and that's kind of where you top out and then come back down because what i find a lot of people is they 
and this goes down to a, a lat issue, is when they're extending up, they are moving the bar pretty fast. Right. And they don't slow the bar down as they get to the top. They let it sort of carry its momentum on up, and it locks their arms out, and it kind of pulls their shoulders up all mm. at the same time because they're, they're almost doing a hard lockout and driving into the lockout. What you guys need to start doing instead is once you hit that sticking point, so the, the bench, the bar speed, if it's a very doable weight for you, the bar is going to pretty easily move the same speed the whole time. Where you're going to start to see differences is when the weight gets pretty heavy. You're going to have a bar speed right out of the bottom. That's when it's the fastest, mm-hmm. right? You're coming off your chest, boom, big explosion up. It's going to slow down right about the middle when you get to that sticking point. And then once you pass this sticking point, it speeds back up again. Mm-hmm. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to accelerate out of that sticking point so hard that you then lock out really hard with your elbows and then your shoulders come up. What you right. want to do is is you get the sticking point passed, you kind of accelerate out of that a little bit, but then you also start to pull back and let the bar kind of slow down as you come up so that it can stop Um almost like you're slowing it down, like you're kind of hitting the brakes then. Right. Um, and, and that'll allow your shoulders to uh, stay back. You're not locking out hard. Mm-hmm. And by stopping your momentum, you're also going to be working on your lats, right? That's yeah. working at yourself stronger in the movement. If you can manipulate the bar, then that's going to help build the muscles necessary to bench more weight. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that... Um, that's the first thing I, that's, I see that a lot with the, the elbows locking out and then shoulders coming up. And I, it's the same thing I tell them. I just, let's just stop it short of you locking out. And, um, so we can keep those shoulders back. So definitely what's one of the other biggest things you, that you see? A big one that I have issues with is where the bar touches the chest. Mm, yeah. Cause you talked about bar path and, once you want to talk about specifics of what the bar does once it leaves the chest, that gets a little bit more advanced. But something basic that I can even teach beginners on day one is where the bar should should place on their chest. And you brought up the elbow issue, and the mm-hmm. elbows need to be at 45. So mm-hmm. you don't want elbows to be straight out from your shoulders. Right. We don't want elbows locked into our sides. It's more of like a tricep bench. Right. We want right in the middle. Right. But when your elbows are right in the middle – there's a natural spot that the bar should come down to hit that. And what I always tell people is if you kind of feel, especially guys, I'm not as familiar with uh, women's anatomy Mm -hmm. up here, but feel just below your chest muscle, all right, right when that ends. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have some kind of a a bone right there, like rib cage, and then it'll kind of go to um, abdominal muscle Mm -hmm. down below that. That little that little spot right there, it's almost a, a little slot that mm-hmm. the bar can fit down in. Yeah. That's where the bar should be touching every time. It's kind of just below the nipple. Right. And what that does is, is by touching at that point every time, it makes sure that your elbows are tucked. So if you have your elbows straight out and you come down, you're going to touch up here by your neck. Right. You know, way up on the high right. part of your chest. So, And if you've got your elbows down tucked real tight to your side, you're going to touch pretty far below your chest so what this does is is it it typically if i have people touch right there that fixes their elbows yeah then from there you know you can work on bending the bar kind of kind of making sure they're tucked in but 
that's the number one cue I would give. And same thing for people who can't watch themselves bench press if they're benching by themselves. That's a great cue. Okay, am I touching the bar there? Okay, yeah, then I'm probably I'm probably good. Yeah. You know, it was it's funny you mentioned that. I don't know why it's, it's an oddity. We used to have the bench set up by the garage doors. And so when that garage door came up, you could see yourself up in the mirror benching. You can watch your form. And I ever, ever since we've moved that bench, I've been kind of like, that's not a bad idea to put that, have something where you're looking at, looking at your form up in the, in the mirror and see how you, where your body position is. That is a good idea. I wonder if um, a mirror could almost be attached to the ceiling. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a good just, idea. I just, I just remember, I just kind of would watch myself and, um, I felt like it was an advantage for me to, to make sure watch my form, especially if I was doing a lot of reps, you know, there was, there'd be times I was being in the gym by myself and I said, oh, I put 135 on there and I said, I'm going to do this 40 times to see if I can maintain my form for 40 reps and see if it got sloppy. Mm-hmm. And so I just watch, just watching myself benching up in the mirror or yeah. it, it was glass, but it was that, you know what I'm talking about. But, um, but yeah, so the side side thought there as far as observing your form, even when you're by yourself, you know, to to because it's hard to see. It's it's uh, you know you I have to rely on my spotter yeah. to watch that. So. Yeah, one just I'll throw this in while we're kind of talking about it. Um, one of the things that you did actually when you were obtaining your certification and you were training to become a trainer was you would film yourself, mm-hmm. right? And I know a lot of people maybe don't want to don't want to go to the trouble that it takes to set up camera and whatnot and film themselves. But filming yourself doing an exercise is going to be the best way because you can then watch it yourself right. and you can uh, assess your own form through that. But also you can have other people watch it. Right. right. Send it to a trainer or have have a trainer watch it and can critique your form from there. I think that's I think that's very helpful because you can never fully know what's going on unless you're seeing it. And there's a certain level you get to me and Matt have talked about this after a few years where you start to understand what it should feel like. Right. But, you know, if you're just starting out and you're within your first couple years, you don't really quite have that connection yet, that mind, that full mind muscle connection. So it's really helpful to be able to have other eyes on it. Well, I mean, that's, I use that as a trainer. I was like, I'm, I'm going to have people watching me. So I have to, you know, observe where, where my shoulders are, where my, my body position is when I'm doing these exercises mm. so I can improve, um, you know, like that can help that mind muscle connection. Right. And cause it's like um, you were training yourself. Ex- absolutely. Huh. Yeah. So that was kind of the whole point. I was like a video of myself for, you know, change what's not quite there because when I was becoming a trainer, I was like, I gotta, again, we gotta look the part. Mm-hmm. So hundred percent. Yeah. You can't be a trainer and be doing bad form. I, mean, I guess you I guess you can, but <laughs> yeah. it's not a good look if if you're a trainer and you're working out and you're doing incorrect form on something. Well, and, and if, even more important is like you got people's well beings in your hand. Yeah, and the last thing you want to do is be training to injure. Exactly. So exactly, 
and and that's that's tough and, th- and that's one of the things you know i'll mention real quick about this industry is it's not hard to become a personal trainer so just because somebody right. has some certification as a personal trainer doesn't always mean everything yeah keep that in mind agreed um one more thing on bench that is a more common problem as trainees progress is the butt coming up off the bench oh yeah right that's a big one a lot of times day one you won't see that but as trainees progress they want to start lifting heavier you'll see their butt coming up especially at certain weights yeah at certain weights and that's a tough one to to fix for a lot of people Mm -hmm. because it's hard to think about And, and this is one that's easier to show in person but that has to do with leg drive so we talked about the guy blowing his quad benching um what happened there was that means he was using his legs to help lift the weight well how do you do that right because you're laying down so what the theory is here your feet are on the floor right if you drive through your feet you want to push yourself backwards on the bench almost like where the spotter would be where the rack part is you want to push your body towards that so feet are on the floor you're driving yourself backwards as that momentum and that force comes up through your body it once it gets to your shoulders the only place it can go is into your arms to press the bar up so pushing your legs through the ground can filter all the way through up to your arms to help lift the weight easier yeah What's happening when a butt's coming up off the bench, it means people are trying to use their legs to help them get the weight up, but they're just pushing straight up. So that's where the energy is going. So the energy just gets lost to their hips mm-hmm. instead of turning, moving down their hips, channeling into their upper body. So in order to leg drive, you don't want to think about pushing your legs up in the air and driving down through the floor you want to think about driving yourself backwards on the bench almost like you're trying to slide yourself off the bench and what that's going to do and you want to engage that right as you begin to press the weight well i think it's you know uh, i think it's important to be honest and it's something that uh i know at certain weights i struggle with yeah um and it's i can easily i've noticed how effective it is when i'm repping out you know 275, 285, I can just drive, 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 and I can feel it working well. It's actually makes it getting to the higher reps at that weight easier, right? Yeah. Um, and efficiency of movement, it feels like a rhythm. Um, but like anything, the heavier you go, the harder it is to hold that form. Mm-hmm. And so that's something I'm personally been working on at heavier weights to maintain that leg drive at the really high weight. Yeah. Yeah. The heavier the weight, the easier for form to break down. Yeah, definitely. for sure. Um, next one I want to talk about was RDLs. Mm. We kind of mentioned those a little bit earlier. One of, if not the best exercises for strengthening the hamstrings and the glutes. They're not as targeted to either, but they're going to work both really, really well. But so many people do them wrong, mm-hmm. even with coaching. This is another one that it's it's hard to see yourself while you're doing them and and know that you're doing them wrong the one thing that i that i can tell people first of all if you're doing rdls you should feel it really really stretching and working on the back of your legs and your hamstrings Mm -hmm. that's my number one cue for people are you feeling it because if you're 
going down on an RDL and you're like, oh, I don't feel anything in my legs. Well, obviously it's not working. Right. right? So that's the number one thing. But the key, um, most people will not hold their backs flat enough mm-hmm. or they'll bend their knees too much or they're, they'll round their hips. Right. Those are kind of the main problems that I see on RDLs. So what I tell people, um, you want to elongate your posterior chain, which is basically starts at your Achilles and, and ends up um, in your low back. All those muscles are interconnected down there, down through the, the calf, up to the hamstring, to the glute, to the low back. You want to get a stretch in the hamstring when you're doing an RDL. So you need to elongate the hamstring. So what I tell people is to shift their hips. So if you're doing an RDL and you're just kind of going down like normal, you're, you're probably, you might be rounding your back a little bit. But what I want you to do is think about before you do your RDL, take your butt, stick it out behind you, and then think about kind of sticking your belly button out in front of you. Mm-hmm. And what that's going to do um, is that's going to tilt your pelvis forward, anterior pelvic tilt, all right? Now, some people have too much of this, and it's not a problem at all. Those are typically people, females typically, that have anterior pelvic tilt a lot of times are, are already um, pretty experienced in the gym. Right. So usually you don't have to worry about that. But for people that have problems with rounding their back during RDLs, what I want is them to actually tilt their pelvis anterior. Because mm-hmm. what that does, that pulls the the glutes up that elongates the hamstring and then that allows the hamstring to, to be more targeted during that movement. So right. shift those hips. That's what I always tell people. Second is shoulders back because that keeps the back straight. If your hips are not shifted and your shoulders are not back, you're going to see round back cat back in it. Mm-hmm. And we don't want, we don't want round back deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 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 No, I, um, uh, there is a trick that I always use, and that's not putting any any weight on the back or anything like that. And I just I show the forum, and I just okay, hold your shoulders back. The three spots on your back are in line. Get that that chest up, and then slowly slide your hands down your mm-hmm. thighs, over your knees to your middle of your calves. And if you're doing that right, you're gonna feel it. You're gonna feel it real good. Yeah. And, and so I trim before I put any weight on their back. If they haven't done RDLs before, I do, I work with them on that. I said I just want you to do like a couple of sets of ten, just going down and up slowly, holding that. And I observe them. And once I'm confident, they're you know they're not knees are bending so much, they're going way back. It's almost starting to look like a squat. Uh, then um, and they're staying um, with their back flat and going down and keeping their shoulders back, and they can go down and touch their the middle of their calves i'm like with their fingers i usually go down i want your fingers to get to the middle of your calves mm-hmm. and then it's like okay now let's put some weight on there and try it again so that's kind of the way i approach that when i work with new new clients who haven't done rdls before yeah and then when it comes to knees um but you don't want knees locked out Mm-mm. and that's one of the things you know we want straight legs but we don't want it's kind of like the bench where we talked about stopping a couple inches before lockout we don't want the knees locked out stop a couple inches before that but then you need to be able to hold them steady the entire movement you shouldn't really have little if any bend 
additional bend in the knees as right. you perform the movement. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, RDLs, I would say there's a reason it's high up this list is because a lot of people get them wrong because a lot of people don't know how it should feel. Right. And most people are not so flexible that they can go all the way to the ground without feeling a stretch in their hamstrings. There may be a few. Yeah, I don't know of any. <laughs> yeah, but I can't really think of any. So most of the time, if you're going all the way to the floor with your RDL and you're like, oh, I don't really feel anything, it's probably a bit of a form issue going on. Right. Oh, yeah. Usually um, they let their shoulders drop. It, it, it mitigates the tension on that those hamstrings mm, and I pull yeah. their shoulders back. The hamstrings have more of a stretch on them. Yeah. So anytime I tell them to get their shoulders back, you know, cause I'll see them, they'll come down and the shoulders start to drop. And then we all, I, I don't know. I don't know if I feel something. I said, pull your shoulders back while you're down. And mm. as soon as they learn to do that, suddenly those hamstrings, they engage. Yeah. And, um, okay. Now I feel it. I feel it now. I'm like, okay, that's what I'm talking about. You have to keep your shoulders, back and if you feel like they're starting to give reset at the top just trying to keep them back all the way down and then those hamstrings engage more yeah yeah so rdls um we mentioned them earlier as a great assistance exercises for weaker hamstrings so um, if you guys want to strengthen your hamstrings you know uh nowadays the big thing is with female trainees you want to get the big muscle get the big butt right big glutes yeah grow the glutes there are glute targeted exercises um you know hip thrusters glute kickbacks things like that that specifically target the glute but the biggest bang for your buck on growing glutes is squats and rdls in my Mm -hmm. opinion because while those also will grow other muscles they're really, really good at growing the glutes as well. But you have to convince women of that. Yeah. They don't, they don't really gym. believe. I mean, um, they want what is the, uh, a hip thrust or, yeah. you know, donkey kicks or, or you know, or uh, what do you call them, glute bridges. Glute bridges, yeah. Yeah, and so you know, they, they want the, the word in the ex- name of the exercise and they when you tell them oh we're just well we'll do squats and we're like no i want to hit my glutes and i'm like well yeah. i got an idea for that yeah call them glute squats <laughs> all right here we're gonna we're gonna do some glute squats <laughs> why are they glute squats well they're just regular squats right there. <laughs> i'm gonna use that next time i'm yeah. gonna like that um i'll call i'll call it rdl no, we'll call them glute Roman, deadlifts yeah glute deadlifts yeah there <laughs> we go Romanian glute deadlifts glute lifts. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah, that that is a good point. Um, And I I just kind of, I don't know, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. It's kind of like if you want to have massive arms, but then like a small chest and small back. It doesn't really make sense. Why would you want to have a big butt, but then like tiny legs? Yeah. It doesn't really, I don't don't really get it. So, but anyway, you know, every, every trainee's goals are different. And I think it's sometimes it's that that's culture. It is. Yeah. Oh, right now, it absolutely is. Yeah. It's it's in. I mean, a, everywhere you scroll on social media, fitness social media, you see. I mean, you see glutes. people who get surgical uh, implants for bigger rear ends. Yeah. And they got tiny legs, but got these big rear ends. And it's, you know, it's I'm, 
be careful what I say about it, but the most part is, is that, you know, it's a cultural thing and mm -hmm. the best thing just for health is to be balanced of well, an evenly balanced body, both front and back, top to bottom, you know, what we're all constantly working on. Yeah. Life's a balance. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, a couple more, I wanted to make sure we get to here might go a little bit out of order, but bicep curls, you brought up really wanting to go for bicep curls. Yeah. Those are a little bit more simple, but they're a really, really big problem. And the problem at a high level is that people will use muscles other than their biceps to do bicep curls. And then you're defeating the purpose. Right. right. Bicep curls are not a compound movement. They're called bicep curls for a reason because they use the bicep. Mm -hmm. If you're using a bunch of shoulder as well in your bicep or back point? or back, yeah. you know, yeah, I, this one, um, as I got in early in my training career, uh, I was surprised how much this is abused. Um, I would think it would be the easiest one to maintain and for people to get and we can talk about why that is um you know maybe it's not you know feeling it that mind muscle connection where the shoulder should be i mean many many times i'm going up when people are doing bicep curls their shoulders are sort of back and i grab them and go and then they're really back and they're like that's where they need to be yeah that's where they need to be um you know back getting into it um, swaying of the arms, the elbows are flying all over the place. Um, front delts are involved, you know, so when you've got the back and the elbows are moving and the delts are, uh, doing part of the lifting, how much is the bicep getting right? It's a mitigated effect on the bicep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> and, uh, think about this, just a general trend for working out big muscles, big weight, low reps. Small muscles, not necessarily wanting them to be small, but smaller muscle groups, smaller weight, higher reps. Mm -hmm. All right. So your quads are really big muscles. Your chest, your lats are really big muscles. You know, air on the side of bigger weight and lower reps. Biceps are generally a small muscle when compared to other muscles in the body. Right. And so they don't need as much weight to get stimulus. Mm -hmm. um, and they and, and they need a little bit more reps to grow. What I find with people, I love giving trainees really, really high rep bicep stuff and just like burn them out because, you know, I'll see guys especially pick on guys and, and that ego, that testosterone like you were talking about. They want to come in and, and it's, we're doing bicep curls. Okay, well, let me throw on max weight and I'm swinging my arms so I can get it up and I'm having to really break form just so I can show I can bicep curl this. Right. But that's not going to be as effective in isolating the bicep as a lighter weight would and right. really good form. Right. Yeah. It's funny because, um, I think sometime back, uh, I was watching the competition for setting the world record for a bicep curl, mm -hmm. like with a W bar and they allowed bad form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like picture, they did put them up against a wall, mm -hmm. you know, but they would elbows are moving. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, huh? Okay. Well, 
you know, don't watch that as an example. <laughs> yeah. <I> mean, <laughs> you know, uh, just to understand if you want to grow your biceps, you need to lock those elbows down. So. Yeah. So one of the things I always tell people is because it's the same problem. You can't see yourself doing it. Right. Right. But what I tell people, you can feel yourself. Take your elbows, touch them to your sides. Right. So they're touched on both sides. Mm -hmm. And now I tell people, okay, while you're doing your curl, while the bar comes up and while the bar goes back down, your elbows don't leave. Right. If all of a sudden you realize, oh, they're not touching my sides anymore. That's a problem. Yeah. Right. That's the number one thing that I use for people besides the shoulders back, like you mentioned, shoulders back, elbows at your sides. Yeah. Those are the top two for those. And it really, like you said, it should be pretty easy for people. Um, it's just sometimes I think the weight gets in the way. They, mm -hmm. they want to lift a little too much weight and, and sometimes they don't realize it. Yeah. I, I, my favorite, and I think every member or every trainee that I've worked with, I, they've heard me say this, imagine a rod going from one elbow to the other mm. and that rods holding those elbows there. That's where, how you want to feel. And so where your arm naturally full, its range of motion stops but those uh, that rod in those that elbow, that's where it stops. You know, it's not. You don't have to come up to the neck. They feel this like innate need to. They need to come to the neck, and I was like, no, just lock those elbows to your side, and wherever that elbow stops, that's where you stop. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah, there's a certain uh, range of motion. Sometimes limitations. The bigger your arms are, the bigger range of motion limitation you'll yes. have. So you know, yes. it's not a problem if you don't get the bar all the way up to your chin, right? right? You want to do the range of motion that your body can do effectively. Exactly. Yep. I mean, it's pretty um, simple, but it's really abused. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about one more real quick and then we probably better wrap up. We're Sounds good. A little long here, but lat pull downs. All mm. right. That's one that I see abused quite frequently in two different directions. Um, one of the things People think that when you're doing lap pull downs, that you need to pull the bar like to your chest. And mm -hmm. yeah, um, the problem that's going to create is in order to get the bar down here, I have to roll my shoulders forward. Mm -hmm. And so what I always tell people is you need to um, tilt your head back and squeeze your shoulders back and then pull to the base of your neck. Yep. And what that creates is more of a pull to yourself rather than a pull down in front. Right. Um, and that's going to just work your lats a lot better. That's one of the problems I see more with beginners is they'll want to pull way down here. Right. Now, as people get a little bit stronger, lifting a little bit more weight, what I see in trainees is they will take the shoulders back and tilt your head back to an extreme and they'll like lean way back. Right. That's what I was just about to mention that that's the, they sit there and they go like, like way back. Yeah. Right. And, um, it depends. I mean, there are rows, but not necessarily on the pull down that you work that back yeah. in that direction. Yeah. That's a row at that point. Right. So, yeah. I mean, just go ahead and do rows. There's a cable <laughs> row for a reason. You don't need to use the lap pull down. Yeah, right? exactly. It's that's the, Pull that pull down, not a row. So yeah, yeah, I see that a lot. Is, uh, but mo I mean, it's funny you mentioned the one that they go, you know, past. I just say, just stop about right here. Yeah. And so, I see them coming down. It was just yesterday. I was in the middle of the, the floor, and I'm watching the floor, and I saw someone just, I mean, yeah. like down below their chest. Yeah. And I'm like, I even yelled from my. I go, whoa. <laughs> 
I'm running over there. Don't pull down that low because, you know, it's just, I, I feel like that's, you know, that's really hard on the body to push down like that. Yeah, so. on your frontal delts, on yeah. your shoulders. And that also, I find, if you're able to pull it down at that angle, that low, you you could do it correctly with more weight. That's actually. correct. So really, you're going too light if, that's if right. you're able yeah. to do that. Um, but a lot of times, yeah, the, the guys that lean way back are they're trying to go too heavy. Yeah. Know? And and really what that is doing is throwing some low back in it too, mm-hmm. which is not always a terrible thing, but we leave that for other exercises. Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think uh, we might have to turn this into the Joe Rogan podcast where we're going two or three hours here, but oh, we, no. don't, we, we do need to have other obligations. So. Yeah, because I've got uh, – Heck, I've got a few more listed here. We could we could keep going all day, but um, yeah, we we, we want to keep these somewhat concise. We want to we, we don't want to ramble on forever. Right. But we want to give you guys a, a good product and a, and a good uh, wealth of information right. um, when we deliver these. So um, I think that'll pretty much do it for for our discussion on form today. Yep. Um, you got well, anything well, else to say on form? No, I I think uh, yes, I think. You know, that's form will be something we talk a lot about just as byproducts of what we do. Um, it'll come up and, you know, maybe in a uh, uh, future podcast, we can cover some of these other exercises that we that were on this and we didn't get to cover today. But yeah. So um, loading the bar podcast is now on Instagram and YouTube. All right. So you guys can look forward to having these episodes uploaded um, to Instagram and YouTube as well. So if you guys are on those platforms, give us a follow, give us a subscription. Um, You can communicate with us there. So feel free to, you know, drop a comment um, or a direct message on those platforms. If you guys have questions, if you guys have questions we'd like to, or you would like us to cover Mm -hmm. um, or topics you'd like us to cover. What I'd like to do here um, within a few weeks is hopefully get enough questions in that we can do a Q and a episode. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Um, yeah. So definitely if you guys have a question pop in your head, throw it in there, we'll note it down. It'll be one of our Q and a questions moving forward. And that'll be cpt.kansascity at gmail.com. If you have anything you want to add to the show. Yeah. If you want to email, you can email as well. Instagram, YouTube, email, lots of different ways to reach us. Sounds good, man. Well, um, I appreciate you guys so much for listening. Third episode here. Um, We're going to be coming at you every week moving forward with some some great content. Hope you guys uh, enjoy your week and hope your New Year's continuing to go well. Sounds good. All right, guys. Take care.